Welcome to Keystone Bets. I'm A.J. Fiore, and this week I was joined by Penn State football beat writer Frank Bodani of the York Daily Record and York Sunday News to preview the 2020 Penn State Nittany Lions. I've known Frank for years, worked with him for many years, and in my opinion, this man has the best jump shot in all of York County. Frank and I dove right in. The first question I had for Frank, what's the current state of college football? Well, I think they're definitely determined to play one. The, the biggest question, of course, beyond even the mechanics of how they do it is when it's going to be. Because I think they, they need financially to have a college football season. There's too much money <clears throat> that the universities need. A place like Penn State needs the money to fund their other sports. It would be a financial disaster not to play one. But can they be ready in September or even October? That's, that's the part I don't think anyone knows yet. And because if they're not, they're going to have to make a decision to try to play something that might start, say, in March, which is really uh, awkward. But (laughs) if the money's there, I think they'll find a way to do it. Yeah, you said playing in in March of of next year, 2021. I mean, how many players at that point are we going to actually see playing? You know, your Trevor Lawrence's, you you know, your guys that are preparing for the NFL draft, they're not going to want to play eight, 10, 12 games risk getting hurt when they're being drafted two months later. Well, absolutely. And that's one, I guess awkward is not even a strong enough word. That's <laughs> the one, that's one of the hurdle problems with doing it um, because you would definitely lose a lot of the elite guys. Um, you'd have a lot younger rosters. I mean, on the field playing, I think for sure, you'd have a lot yep. more freshmen, a lot more, You'd have basically two or almost two recruiting classes. I, I don't know how it would be a jumble, but um, that's a last ditch effort, obviously. So I think we do have much more time to figure out. I mean, they're shooting for the fall because, like you said, you only brought up one problem with this playing at that time of the year. There's others, obviously, as oh, they absolutely run into other sports seasons. You couldn't start it at a place like Penn State until at least the beginning of March because you'd be a a weather disaster waiting to happen. So, you know, shoot for the fall first. I think you have until at least the middle of July, maybe at the latest, to make that call as if you're going to start on time or if you may delay it. I, I don't see them delaying it beyond the beginning to second week of October because then you're would be shorting shortening the season or doing something that would work I don't think in the fall and and I think that you know we're not going to see fans in in the stands we're going to be looking at empty stadiums and that's okay for for where we're at you know just to let's get let's get a little bit of, of normalcy back here let's get some football you know that's still a couple of months away but uh, as far as fans being in the stands, I, I just I don't see it. I know that some some schools are talking about it. Uh, some uh, Miami Dolphins uh, just said that they have a plan where they may have, uh, you know, only 15,000 people in, in the stadium. But, you know, I, I don't think that that's something that they need to be worrying about right now. They need to be concentrating on. Let's just figure out how we can play these games. Well, you know, the question is another big Here's another big point there they may have to decide on. If they get to the point where they could play in the fall with either no fans or very limited fans, but medical advances happen where they can see, but we could have a lot of fans if we wait until March. 
that's going to be a call they're going to have to make because at a place like yeah. Penn State that seats 100,000, that could yeah. be a huge financial decision you got to make there. Or the schools have to make, or the leagues have to make, or what you know, you know where we're going. One of many, one of many issues. Absolutely. All right. Enough of the issues. Let's get down to it. Let's talk some Penn State football, and let's start with the coaching staff. They lost their uh, offensive coordinator, uh, Ricky Rain, uh, last year. Left for Old Dominion. Took the head coaching job at Old Dominion. They poached from Minnesota within the Big Ten, Kirk Staraka. Tell us about Kirk Soraka. What can we expect? Uh, he's a uh, mental planning guru guy <laughs> that is a little more humble, a little more quiet spoken, a little more not known nationally per se by, I would think, the regular fans. But he's very highly regarded. And I think he's a really good fit because I think he knows exactly what he wants to do. And he's never had a chance to work with a roster like this and all his stops. And he certainly showed in that Minnesota game how he could develop a quarterback, develop an underrated roster, and take it to a team like Penn State. And Penn State was really struggled to adjust to his offensive plan. So that's a good match, I think, for a quarterback like Sean Clifford, too. And and there it is. You just said it right there. He had a, a, an, an underdeveloped roster in Minnesota. Uh, that's not the case here uh, in Happy Valley. Um, you know, you just said Sean Clifford coming off, a, you know, a campaign where he threw for over 2,600 yards, 23 touchdowns and seven interceptions. You know, he's going to have a, a, a talented quarterback and, and a roster that's that's going to be, you know, they're going to have some talent there. They can do some damage. I think it's also a nice kind of transition in a way that they're still going to have James Franklin's basic offensive philosophy, but Kirk, I think, is going to, it's not pro style, but he's going to bring a little bit of a twist that's a, maybe a little more balanced. And I think that could really help. And I say that because I think Penn State, as we go into this, also has not just one of the nation's best tight ends and some guys behind him, but finally, their offensive line is becoming a legitimate strength. I mean, when Franklin took over, it was a nightmare. It's taken a long time for it to get into becoming a possible positive. But this year, I think a lot of things have come together, and that's going to help Kirk Shiraka coming in, is that he's got not just solid starters, very good starters, he's got some really good depth, and it's now being really loaded well with the recruiting. So, okay, Well, let's talk about that depth. Let's go to the running back. we got Journey Brown back um, after uh, a 900-yard, 12-touchdown season last year where he averaged seven yards per carry and 68 yards per game. Um, you know what, what can Journey Brown expect here? I think this is his really national breakout possibility. I mean, you never know that you do it, but the kid really came on strong at the end of last year when he became the number one guy for sure. That A lot of those yards were in the last month of the season, including the bowl game, where he came in as a sprint champion from a less than ideal league where he came from up near Erie, but... He proved that he's more than just the fast kid. I, I think, if anything, he's almost gone the other way. I almost want to see him, and his coach has talked about this, I want to almost see more of the breakaway speed 
Um, yeah. he's, he's put on the weight. I have no doubt that he can be a physical runner. I think it'll be interesting to see how, if he can translate a little bit better that track speed into the football uniform. And I think Penn State's right. strength and conditioning staff is one of the best now. I, if he's if he's going to do it, he's got the best opportunity. The problem, obviously, is all these kids are training, doing whatever they are at home, and we don't know when they're going to get back. So, yeah, yeah, and that that's that's you know where we're at right now with not knowing if and when universities are going to open back up, um, how long these kids are going to have to to you know be on campus to work with the the coaching staff. Um, you know, it's just there's a lot of question marks right now. But I think that, you know, Penn State having their starting quarterback, their, you know, top three running backs back, um, you know, uh, tight end Pat Fryermuth, and, and, you know, like you said, an offensive line. They return eight starters on offense, five on defense. So having that kind of um, um, core coming back is definitely going to help them prepare for, you know, what might be a shortened season. Yeah, they just need – uh, whenever they do play, I mean, the offense, the new offensive, there'll be some, maybe a little bit of some bumps early on getting the new coordinator yeah. and everybody together. But I think what they just really need is to have a couple of position spots step up. The number one is uh, wide receiver where they've recruited pretty well, it seemingly, but guys have not developed there the last few years. So Jahan Dotson is back, but they need more than, than, than this kid. And on defense, I think it's just they showed spurts of being a more dominating unit, meaning takeaways, game-changing plays, a little bit more toward the end of the year. They had a really nice effort at Ohio State, but they just have to build on that because the, the idea of, you know, like two years ago, they were very good against the pass. Last year, they really tightened up their run game. and They just have to kind of do a little bit of both at the same time now, I think. Michael Parsons is a highlight guy, so if they could build off around him, um, I think that's a very, very much a positive. So, okay, so let's let's get into the schedule here, Frank. Um, mm-hmm. We've got their win total here in the state of Pennsylvania um, nine and a half. They open up with Kent State, then they go to Virginia Tech, home against San Jose State. And then home against Northwestern before they go out to Michigan. I mean, I'm looking right there. That should be, you know, five five and zero oh is possible. Yeah, it certainly is. I, I think it, and and I think four. What you said, the fifth game is Michigan. Fifth, yeah, they at Michigan, and then they, yeah, and then they got to buy. But okay, so the first four games sh- should be wins. Now, I, I have the the caveat is the game at Blacksburg because that's going to be probably yes. if they play it, you know, which means they need to have the full season. Cause I think if they don't have a full season, right. you're going to see non-conference games go, but if yep. they play that game, there's a good chance it'll be at night. It'll be at Blacksburg. It'll, they have actually a pretty good team coming back and they're going to be yes. like it's their Super Bowl. So pay close attention to the betting line on that because if it's a little high in Penn State's favor, I might be a little leery on that one. But um, And then Michigan is going to be really tight, I think, at this point, not knowing. And it's only five games into the year. You know, everyone kind of uh, has been giving Michigan the benefit of the doubt at the beginning of the season and ranking them pretty high. And um, they really struggled at the beginning of last year. So I don't know exactly where 
they're going to be at in only week five at Michigan. The thing about it is Penn State has played two of their worst games in the last four years <laughs> at Michigan. I mean, really, they're only two of their only really bad performances, literally, in four or five seasons have been at the big house. So that's something they do have to overcome. And and as a Niners fan, you know, I've seen the Harbaugh, uh, you know, <laughs> It just seems like he's he's been there, what, five years now at Michigan? It, it seems like this is about the time where I don't know if it's the players just, you know, get sick and tired of the the, the same rah-rah speech all the time, but it just seems like he there's a disconnect that starts. I don't know if it's if it's going to take place here at Michigan, um, but it, it, it happened at Stanford. It happened in San Francisco at the NFL, and, you know, that could be something to, to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on Michigan – um, you know, games early in the year before before betting on this Penn State Michigan game, that could be something where if you're getting plus points with with Penn State, that might be something something to look at. Yeah, it's going to be a um, gauge on both teams once the season gets going, and you know, and this could also change dramatically if say they do get started late and they wipe out yep. the on conference season. Could you see them playing Michigan in week two or something? I mean, <laughs> yeah, all that, of a sudden you that, have a that, whole that, different way to try to figure out what you're looking at. I mean, but yeah, good point. Yeah. So, okay. So after Michigan, then they have the bye. Then they go at home versus Iowa, at home versus Ohio State, at Indiana, at Nebraska, and then they end with Michigan State, Maryland, and Rutgers. I mean, I don't know what Iowa has coming back. I know they lost, uh, I don't I don't believe Stanley's back, their quarterback. And I know they lost, obviously, uh, Tristan Wirfs who uh, is down in Tampa Bay now tri- uh, protecting Tom Brady. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, if they can beat Michigan and Ohio State, I mean, this is, or could we be looking at a potential trip to the playoffs for Penn State? Well, they've been close. I mean, last year they had the schedule really set up well because once you figured out even a little bit of who they were, the schedule played out wonderfully for them and never should have lost at Minnesota. But, um, and that was the end of the year. Now this season, a little bit different because of the Virginia Tech game early. Then you have not hosting Michigan going to Michigan. Okay, there's two. And then, I don't yeah, I would agree with you. I would think they would have definitely the upper hand at home against Iowa, but then having to come right back against Ohio State. I mean, that's at home, but to be able to be I mean, two physical games. I don't care how Iowa is, it's usually I mean it's usually really a physical tough game. Trace McSorley said the toughest game of his college career was that that thing out there when they won on the last play. That yeah. was like 17 to 12 or 23 to 21. Or, I mean, some yeah. ridiculous game they played that went down to the final play that like 100 snaps and um, it was 90 degrees. And so there's always something with Iowa that takes it out of you. So can you get back yeah, that- to beat Ohio State? And see, they're never going to take that step to the playoffs, that next level, unless they can somehow find a way to beat Ohio State every other year. And at the same time, basically, almost, oh, you have to beat two of the three games for sure every year. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. You can't ever lose more than one. But really, to get in the playoffs, you, you have to be able to show you can beat Ohio State. They've only done it one time. 
and and let's look at that the the playoffs. It, it seems like they like to take that fourth team potentially like from the SEC, like a, you know Georgia or Alabama, maybe who whoever doesn't win. Oh no, they're good enough to get in there because it's it's a sexy matchup. Could we see a scenario, in your opinion? Let's say Penn State runs the table. Their only loss is to Ohio State, but it's on a you know game of the year type uh, you know last second field goal. Could that be a situation where, hey, you know what, Penn State, big name, great tradition, history is there. Let's put them in the playoffs as a fourth seed. Oh, yeah. I think the one thing Penn State has not been able to do yet under James Franklin is have an 11-win regular season. So if they can, even if they would beat Ohio State and lose at Michigan, I think they're a, a very good candidate for the playoffs because of their strength of league, their strength of schedule. Um, and they never have been in that position. I mean, they've always, unfortunately for them, found a way to lose at least twice in a regular season every year under Franklin. I mean, they've had they've had three 11 win seasons, but that 11th win has come in the bowl game or in an extra. You know right. what I mean? They 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 need to be able to get a one loss regular season, and that's that's to me the thing that's eluded them. That's what will help them. Um, the one year they got in because they were able to get to the Big Ten title game. But aside from the title game, if you go 11-1 and in your Penn State, I, I mean, you have a very good shot. Yep. And Penn State to make the playoffs is 6-1 to one out there at DraftKings here in Pennsylvania. Okay, so the conference odds. Penn State to win the Big Ten is 6-1. to one. Them, They're tied with Michigan. Ohio State is the heavy favorite, minus 230. Wisconsin at 10 to 1, and then it goes to Nebraska 20 to 1. And I don't really think we need to talk about anyone else. Um, you know, is there is there any value maybe on a Nebraska at 20 to 1 potentially to win the Big Ten? I mean, how Absolutely. long how how long are we okay? So you like Nebraska this well, year? I like it now because right now I think what Frost is building is very positive. That division's a little weaker overall yes and they just need to stay healthy and i you know i don't know if this is the year but i think it's the the thing is when we're talking in may it's definitely warranted watching and penn state one has to go to nebraska and have to do it later in the year i just don't know what the what that team's gonna look like but it's definitely just i think one to keep an eye on and i understand the odds in may Yeah, and and you know the one thing with Nebraska that and, and this is always going to stick in my mind is they had an opportunity for Joe Burrow to transfer from Ohio State into Nebraska because he's I believe he always wanted to play at Nebraska. Scott Frost said, "No, we're good. We got Adrian Martinez." So, you know, Adrian, he's got to have to step it up. They're going to have to, you know, start start biting a little bit more than they are barking yeah i mean it's a it was a it was a little maybe a more of a rebuild in philosophy and buy-in when frost took over than some outside realized and i think it's the same it's different but the same as when franklin took over i mean you gotta get your guys in there and maybe on the lines they're a little soft and i don't know you know martinez has to stay healthy and um, I yep. think they have the potential to cause a lot of damage. And I think people thought that last year. It's just that last year they got kind of hit hard early. But um, I, it's just they're the more 
what do you want to say? If there's a mystery upstart team in that, certainly in that division. And but the other thing is Minnesota is probably not necessarily going away either. So maybe the West is a little nope. tougher than you think. Yeah, you know? look at looking at the West right now. Wisconsin is a favorite uh, at plus one fifty. Uh, Iowa, Minnesota, and Nebraska are all plus three hundred. And then down here. Purdue, sixteen to one. They kind of intrigue me. They they get Rondell more back healthy, and that kid's just a straight. You know, he's a straight game changer mm-hmm. when he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, I mean, is that uh, some is that a team that you know could be of interest to possibly even just win the division at sixteen to one? You know, I still think it's a tough chore for a team like that right now to get by, like say a Wisconsin in the end. I mean. Okay. You know, Minnesota had the greatest season. They couldn't do it. Um, but now Minnesota's not necessarily there's there's suddenly a little more competition for Purdue than there was a couple even a couple of years ago to me, especially with Minnesota getting better. And you know, I really do think Nebraska will be. I don't know if they've arrived, but they will be better. Not not taking anything away okay. from Purdue, but I think it's going to be a little harder right. maybe to make the kind of splash that some think. And I mean, you could make. With what you're saying, I mean, you know, we'll see how things go. But, I mean, there's an argument for the Big Ten being, you could throw it up there. Are they the best all-around conference from top to bottom? I mean, you know, you still got to get through the SEC. But, I mean, Purdue's not a, is a, is a, is a better team. Nebraska's a better team. Wisconsin's the most consistent team that can't recruit elite in the country, probably. Right. How well they, how many wins they put up every year without the Lolita recruiting edge. Now, last team I want to talk about here before we get into some Heisman talk uh, is Michigan State. They hired Mel Tucker in the middle of February, so he pretty much got hired right before all of this, you know, went down with the pandemic. Do can we expect anything from Michigan State? I, I mean, I just. I don't know. I, I don't. Tough call. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm at a lot. Real tough call for a couple of reasons because one, they were in a bit of, I mean, they were in disarray um, with yeah. Antonio. So you have that situation and that bled off the field too. It wasn't just like they had a bunch of injuries last year that made the point. I mean, there's more than that. It goes deeper than that. So. They positively talented roster tradition. They still can recruit pretty well, but the negatives and then Mel being behind the eight ball as a COVID hire, basically. I mean, holy gosh! Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna, to me, it's just going to be them always trying to fight from behind for right now. I mean, that's the thing. And can they? It'd be easier if they were in this situation in another league. So I think they're going to compete. I think, you know, they might, I think they're going to compete better in some regards than they did last year. I just think it's just a little too much for them to chew off this season whenever it gets going. Okay. Now, all right. Now getting into the Heisman talk, you yourself, you have a Heisman. Yes. Sean, Sean Clifford, a hundred to one. What is, is it possible? Could it happen? Or are we going to see them maybe rely too much on the running game? And while Penn State might be, you know, potentially, you know, challenging for the national championship, is it just going to be more run oriented than than Sean may not be able to 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 you know take in advantage of that? In age, I just I think he could have a very 
proficient numbers year going along. I think he has that ability to clean up some of his mistakes, have a really good touchdown to interception ratio, so on and so forth. But in this day and age, playing in Penn State system, I don't, I don't know if, and this is no knock on him. I'm not. I don't know what kind of quarterback right now can outgun, so to speak some of the other programs for a Heisman quarterback. I mean, I don't know if Penn State is built to give him that. Now, the 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 other side of it would be is that he plays the kind of year I'm talking about. His numbers aren't off the charts, but if Penn State can stay undefeated or one win, I think he'll hang in the in that scenario, he would hang in the conversation. Um, I think their most dynamic player is their linebacker. Michael Parsons, but obviously we know he's a linebacker unless he does incredible <laughs> things with um, people. I mean, if the you know the, he he wants to play offense, AJ, but the problem is he hasn't been able to yeah. hold on to an interception yet in his college career. So <laughs> he's got to do that too, you know. Yeah. But he's he's their <laughs> most dynamic player on defense when you say ability and big plays, flashy plays since LeVar Arrington. Not saying he's their best linebacker or their best, but he's their most dynamic possibilities. And it would be the loss of a lot of fans if the season gets moved and you never get to see that kid play this year in college because he probably would not. But But I actually think, having said all that about those two guys, I think maybe Right now, to me, maybe their best shot at their their what's the right word? Their steadiest or their safest pick Most yeah, consistent. might be Journey Brown, actually, because I think he has okay. the ability to improve. Breakout player, Penn State's going to have their should have their best offensive line in forever, and with some tweaks and in their offense as a whole. I think it's going to be easier for Journey Brown to find yards. Like you said, I mean, when he turned him loose, he still averaged like seven yards a carry last year. I think he can be better. I don't think the, the carry load, again, it's going to depend on um, can they go 11-1 and one at least. But I think he actually is not in the numbers conversation, but I like him in some ways more than the two headliner guys. Yeah, no, there are there. I do not see any numbers on Journey Brown here in the state of Pennsylvania. I haven't even That's seen his like name it. listed anywhere in Vegas. You gotta go. We gotta uh, go with this early. Uh, are you going on record? That's your well, pick. Well, I think if you're talking <laughs> Penn State players, I think he might be the more most durable pick. Well, because I just think it's okay. gonna be too much for Sean Clifford to to outwin a quarterback from Ohio State or Oklahoma or LSU or someone that's just going to put up numbers that Penn State's offense just won't do. I, I just I think okay. that puts him, no matter how great of a year he leaves, that's going to make it tough for him. I think Journey might have a little easier road because, again, Mike is on okay. defense. So, Yeah, and now when Penn State released their depth chart a couple of weeks ago, they had Micah Parsons listed as a kick returner. Were they just trolling us, bit. or is that something well, they're considering? He's seven, okay, he's been a second guy <laughs> back there already. Um, okay, I'm really confused in in a sense on why, and they never clear it up. Franklin gets asked this all the time, and he answers it all the time, and I don't <laughs> and I don't really understand it all the time. 
Okay, so so don't be surprised. I know. I just go ahead. Get, I understand the kid was multi, very talented on that side of the ball at Harrisburg in high school. Okay, like Lavar Arrington was in Pittsburgh when he came out of high school. The point is, he's their most dynamic defensive player in 30 years. Why would you even? Yeah. To me, you have plenty of speed. Why do you even have him back there? I don't get it. If it's Saquon Barkley, you can. There still was a debate, but yeah, okay, I understand. He runs with the ball. He's he's incredible. You take the risk. I don't really understand why Micah Parsons is even in this conversation we keep having. Apparently, with offense and kickoff <laughs> returns, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand uh, it, the risk. I understand Saquon's risk. I don't understand this risk. So right. I, I get it. I think sometimes these coaches try and they try and prove that they're the smartest person in the room. And, and sometimes that that's not the smartest decision. Yeah, you may be smart, but putting your best defensive player back there to potentially get hurt on a kick return, uh, you know, when you could, you know, just throw, you know, second string wide receiver back there and, and get the ball 12 yards up the field on a punt. And, hey, let's get the offense out there and, and they're going to have journey. other guys. You know, I mean, have Brown clip. may be a kick return right. as well, where then you could also still okay. have that debate. You want your starting running back returning kicks. But to me, that makes more sense if he's the best guy than the star linebacker. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, Frank, let's talk about a couple of other players. Um, you said you like uh, Journey Brown as a long shot for the Heisman. Are there, is there anybody else, um, particularly in maybe the Big Ten? You know, Justin Fields is... Um, you know, plus 200, plus 300. Trevor Lawrence is around five to one. Uh, Sam Ellinger at, at Texas is 22 to uh, one right now. Are there any other players that you got your eye on uh, here preseason that you're going to keep uh, tabs on for the Heisman? Um, well, whoever possibly could run the football, Wisconsin always seems to maybe get a shot in some way. <laughs> okay. So, um, <laughs> but I think those, I mean, it, it's going to be, if they're healthy, it's going to be hard to take Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields out of the top five through this year. I mean, to me, that's going to be very difficult. They've got those guys have already proven at their, at the Heisman position. All right. A quarterback, they've already proven how great they can be on teams that are favored to make the playoffs. So to me, you're of like, if you're somebody else in the country, you got a lot of work ahead of you to take down those two. Yeah. Just those two. I mean, Penn State, <laughs> for example, might yeah. have one of the best tight ends in the country. But we're not talking anywhere close to, like, the Heisman situation. So I, I think this year, you know, having two elite quarterbacks like that returning, already Heisman candidates, no doubt about it, candidates, you know, you may almost need an injury or something to want to take one of those guys out to open up space. Yeah, and and like we were talking about earlier, that you know that could open up depending on when they they play this season. You know, if they decide not to play until January, right. February, right. or March, um, you know, some of these guys might decide, hey, I'm I'm not going to play. I don't want to risk my my NFL future, my career earnings. Uh, you know, on on twelve games. So um, one one guy I do want to ask you about here, Frank, because I actually like him, uh, Ian Book at Notre Dame. I don't know how much Notre Dame game you got to watch last year. Um, do you think he has, you know, a decent shot? They, they have a decent schedule, and if they can win 10, 11 games, uh, maybe? I think he's – I mean, he's a, he's an interesting guy because of who he plays for 
And if Notre Dame plays well and is undefeated through half the season or more, they're going to get a ton of attention. Yeah. And he's going to be on TV. And it's Notre Dame. And he's the guy leading them to... But we also see Notre Dame fla- fla- flame out in the playoffs. And to me, to, honestly, he doesn't strike me as a guy that is going to have the staying power of those other quarterbacks. I think more with him, it's going to be just the leading, the guy leading Notre Dame to a possible great end more than it is Ian Book as the Heisman. Okay. Guy. Okay. All right, all right, Frank. Last thing here: any of the incoming recruits for the for the recruiting class are they gonna are we gonna see any contributions from them? Um, are, are they even gonna, you know, who knows with, yes. with when these campuses start back yes, up, opening up? Um, Penn State, like we said earlier here, needs the, maybe the biggest help at wide receiver. So there's one big receiver in particular, Keandre Lambert from Virginia, highly rated, bigger kid, apparently. He enrolled early, so at least he got a little bit of time up there before things were shut down. Apparently, he did well. He okay. is definitely a guy to watch because of need and talent, but also need. Then you have another kid who's almost completely different. He's a running back slash slot receiver slash maybe returner. His name is Kaziah Holmes. He's from Florida, and he's part of the recent Penn State, the Florida pipeline that one of their assistant coaches has developed. And a little more mysterious, I don't know, he could be a guy that ends up getting redshirted or a guy who plays a huge role. It's kind of up in the air, but he's another one. Um, And then I, I guess any dark horse would be any one of their other receiving candidates. They don't have anyone else ranked as highly recruiting wise as the first guy we talked about Keandre Lambert but they have a few other recruits in there who again would have easier paths because that's that's the biggest position in need there at Penn State right now all right Frank I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to to talk to me here for a little bit about Penn State and uh, follow you on Twitter at YDR Penn State I see you got that little blue check mark next to your name buddy you made it it's been a couple years AJ I've been I've arrived actually a while now Oh, you, you have all. Oh. Hey, I love doing it anytime. Thank man. you so I much. I appreciate it. I'm going to take you up on that once the season gets underway. Once we know more, I'm going to get you back right, on here. Thanks, Frank. Penn State going fast as well. They headed off to Tony Brown. Between the tackle, still on his feet. Bringing that swoop with a straight arm, still going.